Welcome to the Bible Truth Podcast with Ron and Tim Reynolds, pastors and Bible teachers. Pastor Ron and Pastor Tim combined for more than 70 years of teaching and preaching God's Word. Listen now as they share the eternal truths of the Bible. Hello and welcome to Bible Truth for Living with Pastor Tim Reynolds. We appreciate you tuning in today. I've titled today's message, Waiting on God, or maybe more specifically, What to Do When You're Waiting on God. I'm reading from Jeremiah chapter 29, beginning with verse 4. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that are carried away captives, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon. Build ye houses, and dwell in them, and plant gardens, and eat the fruit of them. Take ye wives, and begat sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons, and give your daughters to husbands, that they may bear sons and daughters, that ye may be increased there and not diminished. And seek the peace of the city, whither I have caused you to be carried away captives, and pray unto the Lord for it, for in the peace thereof shall you have peace. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, let not your prophets and your diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you, neither hearken to your dreams which you cause to be dreamed. For they pro- prophesy falsely unto you in my name. I have not sent them, saith the Lord. For thus saith the Lord, that after seventy years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you, and perform my good word toward you, in causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace, and not of evil, to give you an expected end." Well, the longer we live, the more we realize that life does not always follow our plans and expectations. It's been said that if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. Now, there's nothing wrong with plans. I remember uh, when I was a teenager and young adult, I had all kinds of plans, things I wanted to be. They range from being a professional basketball player to a coach and athletic trainer. And uh, I tried uh, sales. I tried all kinds of different things. And finally, when I answered the call to preach, that's when peace finally came to my life. Uh, but that was the furthest thing from my mind as a young person was being a preacher. That wasn't in my plans. But God's plans are different. Now, it's not that plans are bad. I think we should have plans. We should have goals. In fact, the Bible says where there is no vision, no plan, the people perish. But we must realize that God's plans, God's ways, and especially God's timing is often much different than ours is. God doesn't work the way we like him to work on the time he wants to work. Now, uh, we're talking today about waiting on God. I don't like to wait. I'm not very fond of waiting uh, on a trip. You know, if we're going somewhere, I just want to get there. I don't really care a lot for traveling several hours. If there's a meal, I want to eat. Let's eat now. Let's not wait, you know, or uh, if I'm on the phone and I'm on hold and they play that, uh, you know, elevator music, whatever you call it. Uh, I don't like being held up like that. I want to go on to the next thing. Uh, I, I like that J.G. Wentworth commercial that says, I want my money and I want it now. That that seems to be uh, how I am anyway. Maybe you're the same way. But I have learned that some things are worth the wait. For example, uh, you know, sometimes my wife will put a roast in the crock pot on a Saturday night. 
And man, I'll smell that all night long. I'll try to sleep and I'll wake up smelling it and I get up in the morning and I smell it in the kitchen. And uh, when I go to church and preach, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to that. When I get back home, we're going to have a home cooked meal from the roast that's been simmering in the crock pot. That sounds a lot better to me than if we were to get home and, and uh, she said, well, I put some pizza rolls in the microwave. Now a microwave is good for certain things. Uh, but if you're going to eat a good home cooked meal, I'd rather have something that's been, uh, been planned out and it's been slow cooked and, and given time. It just tastes better. Some things are worth the wait. Now, let's bring us into this text today. In the book of Jeremiah 29, the nation of Judah is preparing to enter 70 years of captivity to the Babylonians. These people are nervous, they are anxious, they are uncertain of what the future holds for them. And so God tells his prophet Jeremiah to instruct the people on what to do while they're waiting. All right, they're going to wait 70 years. That's a long time. Maybe you today are in a waiting period. It may not be 70 years, but you've been waiting for something. Let's say it's a job. You've been waiting for a job to open up or maybe a career choice you have your eye on. What do you do while you're waiting for that to happen? Uh, Maybe you're looking for the right school to attend and you're just not sure where you should enroll. Maybe you're looking for the right person to marry and he or she has just not come along yet. Maybe uh, for you, it's a big purchase. You're looking to buy some property or a house and you've been waiting for that and you're not sure what to do. Maybe it's a health-related issue. Uh, whether to take treatment or not take treatment, and it's something you've been waiting on. Whatever the case is, I want us to look at this scripture and see the things that God says we are to do when we're waiting on him, all right? And they all begin with the word be, all right? So the first thing I want us to see is God tells the people of Judah to be productive, we see that in verses four through six. He says, now you're going to go, you're going to go into captivity. And by the way, well, let me just read it. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel unto all that are carried away captive. So that's the audience here whom I have caused to be carried away. Notice God is the reason behind all of this. Now, I don't want to get all into those details other than to tell you they had not been observing the Sabbaths. God was bringing judgment on the nation because of that. But many times when we are in a waiting period, realize it may be God that's placed you there. Uh, you know, we ask God to get us out of it and God to hurry up, but maybe God has placed it there, placed us there and God says, I've caused this. Now, what do you do while you're there in Babylon? He, he, he says this, build houses and dwell in them, and plant gardens, and eat the fruit of them. What is he saying here? He is not promising a last-minute miracle or any sudden solution to the problem. He is saying, make the best of the situation. Trust God, keep moving forward. The very worst response we can have when we're waiting on God is to pout, or to get bitter about the thing, or to blame God, or to sit around and wait for God to bail us out, or somebody else to get us out of this problem. Uh, No, that's the wrong thing to do. Be productive. Uh, I like this. One preacher said, God grows the crops, but expects the farmer to pull the plow. A successful farmer has to stay productive during the waiting period. If you're waiting for a job or a career, what should you do? Well, improve your skills, take a class, learn more about whatever it is you're uh, wanting to make a career of. If you're waiting on the right mate, well, I think be the right mate. And then, you know, make, make yourself more attractive and uh, that sort of thing. Go to the right places to find a, a mate, all right? Uh, and then maybe you're waiting to make a big purchase. Well, do your homework about it, research it. Um, whatever the case is there, 
stay productive. Don't just sit uh, work while you wait. By the way, not only do we do this for ourselves, but this is also for the next generation. Because God says in verse 6, take wives and have sons and daughters, and then take wives for your sons and daughters, uh, give wives for your sons and daughters to husbands, that they may have children, that you may be increased there and not diminished. So this thing is to perpetuate itself. Uh, Listen, our Christian life is not just for us. We're living the Christian life for our children and for our grandchildren to keep going. That's why it's important to stay productive for the Lord. So number one, be productive. Number two, be peaceful. Verse 7 tells us, And seek the peace of the city, whither I have caused you to be carried away captives. And then at the end of the verse, he says, For in the peace thereof shall you have peace. Now again, peace in the place of captivity. God wasn't promising to change the circumstances. But he promises peace in the circumstances. The reason many times we lose our peace is that we get hasty, which makes us make bad decisions when we get restless and anxious, and then we want God to bail us out of the problem. Boy, it's always dangerous to get out in front of God. Abraham did that. Remember the story of Abram and Sarai, and they were promised a child and hadn't had the child yet? The Bible says in Genesis 16, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children. And she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold, now the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarai. And Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the, in the land of Canaan, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. And he went in unto Hagar, and she conceived, and when she saw she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. It didn't turn out the way Sarai thought it was going to turn out. Now, you, you know the consequences of that. Uh, Hagar had a son named Ishmael. Later on, Abraham and Sarah would have a son named Isaac. And this rift between Ishmael and Isaac continues today there in the Middle East. The children, both children of Abraham, but you have the Arab people and the Jewish people at odds. And it can all be traced back to two people who got in a hurry and got ahead of God. I've learned that it's better to wait in peace than to be hasty and try to undo a situation. For example, you're hasty to marry somebody. You don't get to know them well, and then when you're married, you want to get out of it, and it can create such a mess with your with your children if you have them, with your finances. Same thing in a business if you get in a hurry. Same thing in the ministry. You know, sometimes you can jump at a, an opportunity in the ministry without giving it time and thinking about it, and uh, it can cause a lot of issues as well. So be productive, be peaceful. Number three, be prayerful. Back to our text there in Jeremiah 29 and verse 7. Let me read it again. He says, and seek the peace of the city, whether I have caused you to be carried away captives. And here, here's the part I want us to see, and pray unto the Lord for it. Now, Ask God to bless while you're waiting. You could say bless in your mess, or you could say, God, uh, I'm praying for you to provide peace in my problem. It seems to be in the scripture that prayer and peace go together. They are partners. Prayer and peace are partners. Maybe that's a good little quote to remember. Prayer and peace are partners. We see that in Paul's letter to the Philippians. In Philippians chapter 4, listen to verse 6. He says, be careful for nothing. The word careful means anxious, stressed out, worked up, but in everything, 
I pray about everything. I don't know about you. I'll pray if I lose my car keys. I'll pray for a parking spot in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Don't forget the thanksgiving part. You see, God's not Santa Claus asking for a wish list. We're to pray, of course, bring our needs, but also thank God for where we are. Thank God for his will to be done. So let bring everything to God in prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. Now, God, here's my request. Here's what I'm asking. Now, after we do that, the Bible says, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep hold your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You see, what we often say is, I guess there's nothing left now to do but pray. That's foolish. Well, that ought to be the first thing that we do. And it is the prayer that not only produces an answer, and by the way, God can answer yes, he can answer no, he can answer wait, not now, all right? So while we're waiting on the answer, we can be at peace once we pray. Notice that peace of God that passes all understanding. Now, please understand this. You cannot have the peace of God until peace has been made with God, all right? That that comes first. So what does that mean to have peace with God? Well, let me read to you Romans 5 and verse 1. Therefore, being justified, made righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what that means. As sinners, before we get saved, we are enemies of God. We are, we are estranged from God. Peace has to be made. Now, God already did his part by sending Jesus Christ to die on the cross. He's made peace available. But we have to do our part in repenting of our sin, and the Bible says there, by faith, accepting what Jesus Christ did for us. Once a person does that, he or she now has peace with God, and because they have peace with God, they can have the peace of God. You see, these principles I'm sharing today will not work for unbelievers. They only work for believers who have first made peace with God and then can have the peace of God, all right? Now, let's go to the next point. Number four, be prudent. Be very wise about where you get your counsel and your advice from. Listen now to verses 8 and 9 of Jeremiah 29. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Let not your prophets, these were men who claimed to be men of God, and your diviners, these were people actually messing around with the occult, that be in the midst of you, deceive you. So both representing, one representing God, one representing Satan, both were deceivers. And then he says, neither hearken to your dreams, which you cause to be dreamed. Be real careful about, uh, you know, taking counsel over something you dreamed. Well, I dreamed such and such last night, so I guess that means that's what I should do. No, that's not very wise. So in the next verse, God says, for they, the prophets, the diviners, the dreams, they prophesy falsely unto you. Notice this, in my name. Uh, you know, many times these people that, you know, uh, say, God told me what you need to do. They prophesy in his name. A lot of people are shysters and have made a lot of money by using the name of Christ. In fact, Jesus refers to those people when he says, in that day, many will say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied what? 
in thy name and done many wonderful works and these sort of things. And so he says, don't listen to them. I have not sent them, saith the Lord. These were false prophets. They were propaganda prophets. They were feel-good prophets. They were fake news prophets. Be very wise. Be very selective about whom you take advice and counsel from when you're waiting on God. Psalm chapter 1 and verse 1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Proverbs 1 and verse 5 says, A man of understanding shall attain unto wise Councils. I would ask three things of someone I was taking counsel from. Number one, are they godly? Do they know the Lord? Number two, are they wise? Now, I have been uh, in the ministry long enough and around church long enough to know not every saved person is a wise person. Some people are saved and on their way to heaven, but they're foolish when it comes to their finances. They're foolish when it comes to dealing with uh, relationships, all right? By the way, wisdom is available. The Bible says in James 1, 4, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, all right? So I would say, are they godly? And number two, are they wise? And then I would also think about whose interests do they serve? Do they have a, the old saying, my grandpa used to say, they have a, a dog in that hunt, all right? Do they, are they coming at this from an angle to serve themselves, or are they really giving you counsel uh, for your, uh, your interest? Now, number five, uh, be uh, persistent. Be persistent. Listen now to verse 10. For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you. He already promises that and perform my good word toward you. Now, they're in a bad situation, but God says, I'm going to perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. Now, again, 70 years is a long time. I imagine year one and year two, I'd be counting it down. Thinking, good grief, we have a long way to go here. But here's the thing. God's teaching patience and persistence. He says, take the long view. Stay the course. Don't quit. Don't 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 be weary in well-doing. In fact, while you're waiting and you're renewing your strength and you're, you're praying and you're being wise about your counsel, I'm going to keep on building you. I'm going to get you ready because I'm going to perform my good word towards you and I'm going to bring you back from the place you have been taken captive. While you're waiting, that's a good time to get recharged. You know, every night before I go to bed, I plug my phone in. Why do I do that? Well, to charge the phone up because it's necessary to be plugged in so it has the energy and power the next day. So this time in our lives when we are going through a waiting period is think of it like a battery charging season, all right? Listen to Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, getting charged during that waiting period. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Too many people live for today, and if the problem isn't solved today, they just fall apart and get stressed out. God may not take care of that thing uh, for another year. It may be five years. It may be something that takes 20 years. Now, sometimes I think, boy, that just sounds almost depressing, but that's just the truth. You take a child, sometimes at 15, 16, 17 years old, they make foolish mistakes, even into young adulthood. And you think, God, can anything good come out of this? And yet years later, God is using them in the ministry. So what I'm telling you is when you look at your children, you look at a situation, don't just look at it today. Take the long view and just stay persistent. 
Let me give you the last point, and I'm done. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is verse 11 of Jeremiah 29. God says, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you. You may not be thinking this way, but here's how I'm thinking. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. Now, again, this is being spoken to people who have been displaced. They are discouraged. They are depleted of energy and, and uh, they're depressed. They're, they just, they're defeated. They are going into captivity into a strange land. And God says, I know you're thinking about all the problems ahead, but I'm thinking peace about you. You're thinking about all the evil that could come out of this. I'm thinking about the expectation of what's going to come out of this. Maybe you're thinking that way right now. You've waited, you've waited, you've waited. It's not happened like you thought it would. You're getting discouraged. You're getting defeated. You're getting down. And you thought it would be solved by now, and it's not yet. What should you do? Just be positive. Stay positive. I'm not talking about the power of positive thinking. I'm talking about hope. Keep hoping in God. Keep trusting in God. David says this in Psalm 42 and verse 5. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? This is a time of depression, the, the soul being cast down. Think of someone just with a heavy burden, discouraged and depressed. Why art thou disquieted in me? I'm disquieted means I just can't get I can't get comfortable, I can't sleep, I don't know what to do. And then he says these four words, hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Hope thou in God. Hope thou in God. And so he's telling these people, you're going to have to wait 70 years. But trust me, I have an expected end that's waiting for you. I'll close with this. G. Campbell Morgan said, quote, waiting for God is not laziness. Waiting for God is not going to sleep. Waiting for God is not the abandonment of effort. Waiting for God means first, activity under command. Second, readiness for any new command that may come. Third, the ability to do nothing until the command is given. I remember several years ago, it's been over 30 years when I was in basic training in Fort Benning, Georgia. And uh, I remember getting frustrated because uh, they would tell us to hurry up, pack up our rucksacks or duffel bags and load up on the truck. And we would do that in, in a real hurry. And then we would get on the truck and we would wait 30 minutes, an hour, hour and a half, sometimes two hours, sometimes longer. And I thought, what in the world is this all about? And I learned there's a motto, uh, it's really an unwritten motto of the military that says, hurry up and wait, hurry up and wait. So you hurry up and then you wait for the command to be given. Once the command comes, boom, I mean, you take off, but you hurry up and get ready because you don't know when the command's coming. You know, I liken that to the Christian life. That's what we're doing now. We're, we're hurrying up and waiting for Christ to return. But while we're waiting, we stay busy. We have our backs packed for glory. Amen. We're ready to go, ready to go to heaven. But while we're waiting, we should be going to church, reading our Bible, praying, witnessing to others, serving others, because we're hurrying up, but we're waiting on God. May we all be uh, learning these things, how to be productive, how to be patient and, and prayerful and at peace and all these things we talked about today. And we can do that 
with the Lord's help. Well, with the time I have left remaining, I want to thank all of those who listen to our radio uh, ministry. We're on the radio every Sunday morning on two radio stations, and then uh, the Bible Truth podcast, uh, which has been something that's been a real blessing in our ministry. And if you don't get the podcast, I advise you or recommend you to go to your favorite podcast source, whether it's iTunes or whomever, and search for Bible Truth podcast with Pastor Tim Reynolds, and you'll find us. And uh, then you can uh, have that to where you get all of the messages every time we upload them. They're available to you, all right? There are all of our radio messages are on there, and then several of my own uh, dad's uh, verse-by-verse teaching is available at the Bible Truth Podcast as well. Now, all of that is made available, number one, because people listen, number two, because they pray, and number three, because they give. Uh, you know, to go on the radio and to have a podcast costs money. I'll just be frank with you. Ministry does involve uh, finances. And the only way we do that is from the help of God's people. I would ask you to consider a gift to uh, the Bible Truth for Living program. Every dime goes directly back into the ministry. Now, don't take it from your own church, all right? Your tithes belong to your local church if you have a home church. But this is just extra, you know, and you want to say, I want to bless the the Bible Truth podcast, the Bible Truth radio program. I appreciate God's Word as it's preached and taught. And uh, when you do that, it helps us to pay for radio time and the uh, hosting of all of our podcasts. And uh, if you're interested in doing that, you can write to us at Bible Truth for Living, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 62864. One more time, Bible Truth for Living, or just Bible Truth, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 62864. Uh, The announcer will give you that address one more time as well as the program closes. But uh, include your best gift. If you want to include a note, maybe it's a prayer request or just something maybe that uh, the Lord's blessed you lately. Maybe you got saved through the program. Whatever it is, we always like to read those as well, and uh, we'd be happy to hear from you. But thank you so much for being a part of our program. I look forward to being with you at our next appointed time. And until then, this is Pastor Tim Reynolds saying, May God bless you is my prayer. You've been listening to the Bible Truth Podcast with your host pastors, Tim and Ron Reynolds. They can be contacted on the Mount Vernon Baptist Temple Facebook page, or you may send Pastor Tim an email to T-I-M-R-E-Y-1 at Hotmail.com. Or if you prefer, mail correspondence to Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 62864. Again, that's Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois 62864. Thank you for listening.